You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. I want to begin this morning by reading again the passage that Julie began our service with. And I appreciate her reading that. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. It says, when they drew near Jerusalem, talking about Jesus and his disciples, and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. And so this is kind of a weird picture, a weird story, and we often think about it on this Sunday that we call Palm Sunday because people laid palms in front of Jesus. Now, I just like to give people high fives. That's what I think of as Palm Sunday. Um, I realize that's different, Palm, but if I give you a high five, that's it. Uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, Anyway, some of you are like, I don't get it, but they get this donkey. Jesus sits on it, and then it says this. A very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And we, we know that this is the time of the celebration of Passover. And so Jerusalem was a buzz at this time of year because Jews from, uh, from all over uh, Israel would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Some of them would walk for days. And they would, they would come to Jerusalem, they would worship at the temple, and, and it was a big time of year anyway. But of course, there was, there was buzz and there was excitement around this prophet Jesus. Some said he was the Messiah. Others said he was a great teacher. Some said he was, he was uh, Isaiah or Elijah, uh, kind of reborn as a, as a prophet to Israel. And so there was all this idea about Jesus. There were stories running around. There were people that said he had done miracles. He had walked on the water. He had fed thousands of people. He had made the blind to see, the lame to walk. And so people wanted to see him. They wanted to hear what all the excitement was. And Jesus was regularly in Jerusalem at this time of year as well. And so he makes this entry and the people are, are, are crying out to God. They're praising God. There, there's a multitude as he enters into Jerusalem. 
And yet we know from Scripture that just a few days later takes place the passage that we find in Mark chapter 15. After the arrest of Jesus and Pilate is before the people, now at the feast, the feast of the Passover, he, talking about Pilate, was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whoever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude cried aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done to them. And so Pilate is there before the crowd, and he would often release a prisoner. And there was a guy named Barabbas who was a rebel and a murderer. And Pilate was looking for a way to get out of this Jesus thing. Because the high priest and, and the, the, the leaders of the, of the Jews, the religious leaders, had brought Jesus to Pilate. And in questioning Jesus, there was no reason for this guy to be arrested, let alone to be killed. But it was Pilate, as the Roman governor, who had the authority to issue a, a decree of death. The Jewish religious leaders did not have that authority. Otherwise, they would have done it themselves. And so perhaps in this moment, Pilate thought, I got it. Jesus is popular. I mean, after all, earlier in the week, people were laying palm branches before him and they were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Pilate says, and they're crying out for, for somebody to be released. Pilate answered them and said, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, Jesus? For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to him, said to them again, what then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered, them after, delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. In a matter of a few days, the crowd that cries out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, will cry out, crucify him, crucify him. And when Pilate says, why, what has he done? Their answer is, kill him, crucify him. We're not interested in debating the finer points of this. We just want this man dead. That term Hosanna, it means literally save we pray. But it's generally not used, and it's certainly not used in this passage as a, uh, a, a, a prayer, a request. It's used as a praise. We find the basis of that in Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, where it says, Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. 
And you, you can think through other uh, sort of expressions of praise that we might use. You know, we'll say, God is the God who provides, or God is the God who loves us. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll use that, those descriptions of God, as, as praise to God. And that's what Hosanna is. It's a praise. God, save us, be with us, help us. He is the God who does that. And they would cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A couple of things that I want us to think about this morning on this Palm Sunday is where is it that we find Jesus? How do we find Jesus? The first thing that I see is we don't always find him in the crowd. Certainly, I think that those who were there on that Palm Sunday on the road leading into Jerusalem, uh, many did desire to worship God. Many did desire to give praise to God. And undoubtedly, some of them were true followers of Jesus. And yet the crowd as a whole can be easily swayed. We've lived through a couple of years where we've seen crowds destroy cities, buildings, march on our capital. Crowds are, are easily influenced and, and, and they can often do things that, that may or may not be things that we would do on our own. As I watched some of the different events over the last couple of years, I thought about that. I, I thought about, I, I'm not generally a person that likes a lot of crowds anyway. Uh, my wife and I went to the baseball game on Friday. That, it was a lot of crowds. We walked around. And we kind of have a system. I'm a little bigger than she is. I just go first. She lets me part the crowd, and then she just kind of, I'm the lead backer. She's the running back. Sometimes she pushes me into people. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't do that. You can be around those crowds, and, and you realize that sometimes you're just at the mercy of the crowd. I remember that when we had the riots here a couple of years ago and watching on TV places that I knew and places I had seen and been to many times and then you see the crowd and windows are being broken and things are being set on fire and, and you kind of see the, the danger of that. And Jesus isn't always found in the crowds. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. He, he performs this great miracle where literally 10,000 people or more are involved in that miracle. They actually participate. It's not like one guy's healed and everybody sees it. They all ate. They all got to participate in the miracle of Jesus. And then in John chapter 6 and verse 66, it says this. From that time, after Jesus teaches some more, 
Many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. In the same chapter in which tens, thousands of people are fed, many begin to not like the teachings of Jesus and so they follow him no more. See, the crowd can be fickle. I think that's why we're not called to necessarily be part of a crowd as followers of Jesus. You know what the number one sort of standard for followers of Jesus is? It's faithfulness. It's faithfulness. We had a memorial service yesterday for Brother Frank Bustam, a longtime member of our church. He had moved away for the last couple of years with his family, but he passed away. Yesterday we had a memorial. He was just shy, I think of his 92nd birthday when he, when he died. The thing about Frank was he was faithful. He was faithful to, to serve God. He was faithful in church. He was faithful in the way in which he lived his life. And, and people testified of that. I mean, there were people that said, I knew Frank in the 70s. And then there were people that said, I didn't meet Frank until 2019. But, and, and it was the same stories because he was the same guy. See, the crowd can be fickle, but we're called to be faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul's writing and says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards or managers of the mysteries of God. And then he says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. You know what? Jesus predicted that it wouldn't be easy to follow him. Now that's not the message we get most of the time today, is it? It's like, listen, if you follow Jesus, everything will be perfect. If you follow Jesus, if you have enough faith, everything's going to work out. Listen, life can be tough. I'm not telling you something you don't know, amen? You can follow Jesus and still lose your job. You can follow Jesus and still get sick. You can follow Jesus and still have relationships that just seem to crumble. Jesus doesn't make all of your problems go away. But listen, I'd much rather walk with him than walk on my own. But Jesus predicted that following him would be tough. He said this in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. He said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. You know, some people will tell you that they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They'll say, well, Jesus was a great teacher. Well, they probably aren't referring to Matthew 7, 13, and 14. When they, they probably want the great teachings of like, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. They want those Jesus teachings, but not difficult is the way that leads to life everlasting. God doesn't promise us a smooth path. But he calls us to be faithful to him. 
But here's the thing I want you to see this morning. We can know and find Jesus. The first thing I see is that Jesus isn't hiding. I think about his betrayal. I don't fully understand what was going on there. I've read, obviously, the Gospels many times, but Judas is meeting, uh, and, and of course, he receives money to betray Christ, and then he says, hey, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in, and whoever I kiss, that's, that's Jesus. Wouldn't it have been pretty obvious who Jesus was? That's what I think. And like, he wasn't hiding. Now, he wasn't always where they thought he would be, right? Like when the disciples were in the middle of the, uh, of the Sea of Galilee and the storm was, and he was walking on the water, Jesus wasn't exactly where they thought he would be. But he wasn't hiding. Matter of fact, in John 18, we have the betrayal of Jesus. Verse 3 says, Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lantern, torches, and weapons. They were ready. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? You guys look like you're looking for somebody. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. This visual is amazing to me. Here comes a detachment of soldiers, other people, they've got torches, they've got lanterns, they've got weapons. This whole mob is coming up and Jesus said, who are you guys looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, that's me. I'm Jesus of Nazareth. And when he says it, they all fall to the ground at the power of his voice. And then Jesus says, he asked them again, whom are you seeking? I'd have said, nobody. Who are you looking for? Us? Oh, no, um, the 7-Eleven, have you seen it? No, thanks, bye. But they doubled down. They said, Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus said, I've told you that I am he, therefore if you seek me, let these go their way. And he, he doesn't want his disciples to get arrested. And you know the story. Judas comes and he kisses them and they take Jesus away. But Jesus knew what was happening and he wasn't hiding. And he's not hiding from us today. If we will diligently by faith seek God, we will find him. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, we've got to seek God by faith. We do have to look for him, but he promises that if we look for him, we will find him. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Man, that's good news. 
If you, if you call out to God, he will hear you. If you look for God, you will find him. God is not playing hide and seek with us, even though sometimes it can feel that way, can't it? You ever pray and wonder if, if your prayer did any good at all? I have. You ever pray and wondered if it just, you know, kind of hit the ceiling and came back down? You just, but God hears. And sometimes we can look for God and, and, and we don't, because we don't find him in the way we think we ought to find him, we think we're not going to find him. But he says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Deuteronomy says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him as you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Here's what I wanted to bring to you today on this Palm Sunday. It's not always in the crowd that we find Jesus. Sometimes the crowd can be fickle. But if we will diligently seek him, we will always find him. We'll find his wisdom for, for decisions and guidance in our life that we need. We'll find his, his presence and his comfort as we go through difficult times. We find his forgiveness if we will simply call out to him. God is waiting for us. He desires to have a relationship with us. And so on this Palm Sunday, we can celebrate his entry. We can celebrate that God is, that God is come and blessed is he who's come in the name of the Lord. But it's not just about gathering together and having our emotions stirred. It's about understanding that if we will by faith seek after God, he will be found by us. This is good news because we need him. Listen, we face difficulties in our life and sometimes we just need God's wisdom. I do. We face struggles and we need his power to overcome it. We need his presence to walk through difficulties. We need his forgiveness for the, for the sin that we commit. And so I just want to encourage you with a couple of things this week. The first is this. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Has there been a time and a place in your life where you've asked God to forgive you of the wrong things you've done? Jesus said in John chapter 3 that we have to be born again, spiritually born or spiritually made alive. For me, I did that as, as, a, as a boy. And I don't remember the exact date, but I remember that it was a Saturday. I remember the house we lived in, and I remember talking to my mother and going back to her bedroom and kneeling on that hardwood floor. And I've, I've referenced this before, and I don't want to make fun of my mom. It was, it was you know, the late 70s. We had this ugly turquoise bedspread in my memory. But I knelt there and I prayed. 
And I asked God to forgive me. And in that moment, he did. I haven't always felt that he was with me since then, but he always has been. I certainly haven't always lived in a way to please him, but he, he never forgot about me. He was always calling me back to himself. He was always there with me. He was always working in my life to form me into the image of Jesus. And you might look at me today and say, really? Shouldn't it be better? Probably. But it's certainly better than it than it was, than it would be without him. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says this, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of the wrong things that you've done, today can be that day. The thief that hung on the cross next to Jesus just said, remember me when you go into paradise. The, the tax collector that went up and prayed, simply prayed, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We, we just need to cry out and put our faith in Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers, the work that he does. Maybe today, you are a follower of Jesus, but you need to be reminded that he can be found. Maybe you've prayed and prayed and your prayers weren't answered and you've almost got to the point where you just don't think you can pray anymore. Maybe you've struggled and, and you just felt like God wasn't there in a way that, that you wanted him to be. But can I tell you, he hasn't left you. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And today, maybe you just need to be reminded to seek him. Whatever your need, I would encourage you to respond to God's word today. Maybe right there in your seat, you need to bow your head and just cry out and say, God, save me, a sinner. Maybe you just need to bow your head and say, Lord, I just, I need to, to feel you, to find you again. God, I just need you to, to, to work in, in my situation, whatever that is. Let's pray this morning. Our gracious God in heaven, Lord, we know that we have to seek you by faith. But God, we know, we believe that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And God, I pray that as we worship and as we praise you today on this Palm Sunday, we would also remind, remember God that you're not always found in the crowd, but you are always found by those who diligently seek after you. Lord, maybe there's somebody here this morning that does not know you as Savior. And God, I pray that today, even right now, Lord, that they would just pray, God, forgive me. Lord, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus. And God, I pray that you would save them and give them new life in you and eternal life in heaven. Lord, bless us as we go from this place. Help us, God. 
to be witnesses for you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.